Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to a very special edition of White Wine Question Time, an episode that's dropping in Menopause Awareness Month, which may deviate in style slightly from our usual episodes, but in ways in which I hope you'll find really helpful. Over the course of the episodes that we're about to create across Menopause Awareness Month, I wanted to leave on this feed a series of episodes and conversations that can serve as an audio first aid kit for menopause and perimenopause, something that can live here as a point of reference when it comes to everything you need by way of facts and information to guide you through what is an entirely inevitable and natural life stage so that you have enough trustworthy, fact-checked, medically supported information to then be able to go away and make an educated choice for yourself about how you want to manage your way through whatever perimenopause and menopause looks like for you and for those around you. Now, I wanted to record a little something to work as a glossary, like an index, so that across the course of the conversation you're about to hear, you understand some of the abbreviations that we refer to treatments and uh, medical stages of the menopause in. So first up, perimenopause. Sounds like a relatively new phenomenon, but as as old as mankind. Um, The perimenopause is the stage in which you're estrogen levels start to crash as you enter into what will become your menopausal stage. Now this can last for anything from 4 to 12 years. Then you crash into menopause. Menopause is the time in which you are now officially no longer bleeding and have not had a period for 12 months. That's it. That's what the menopause is. You've not had a period for 12 months. HRT. HRT is something we talk about a lot. It stands for hormone replacement treatment. And generally, it's comprised of three products. First, estrogen, to replace the estrogen that your body is naturally uh, hemorrhaging. Uh, Progesterone, which means if you are still bleeding or you have a womb, you take the progesterone to prevent uh, you getting cancer of the womb. And finally, testosterone, not licensed by GPs to be prescribed. So they have to prescribe at their own discretion. But testosterone is something that you can take to help improve libido, get up and go, productivity, your general energy levels. And that is something you can only start taking once you've been on estrogen and progesterone for three months. (sighs) It's exhausting, isn't it? It's worth saying that for some women, they'll just sail through perimenopause and in and out of menopause, and that's brilliant. They may not even feel that it impacts them enough to warrant a conversation, and that's good for them. But for many, that just simply isn't the case, and I'm one of those many. For me, perimenopause, which is where I am at the moment, it's been a thief. It's stolen huge parts of me. Some I've recovered, some I'm trying to recover, and some I've had to learn to live without. It's been like taking on a job that I never applied for, I never wanted, and I had no capacity for, not to mention any of the skills uh, that you need to navigate it. It's kept me awake at night. It's left me questioning my sanity at times. It's robbed me of my my memory, my waistline, my confidence, my sense of humour, 
and it's challenged me and continues to challenge me in ways that I'd never even considered. But like I say, not every woman will experience this. Every woman will have her own experience of menopause. So in this episode, I'm going to share some of mine. I won't just be asking the questions. I'll be joining in on some of the answers too, in the hope that, well, you know, shared experiences are helpful experiences. And to do that, I've called upon the two women who have been my life rafts as I set sail into the stormy waters of perimenopause. A friend who helped me in ways she didn't and couldn't know and her doctor, who would go on to become my doctor. But it's not just me they've helped. Via their social media, uh, their campaigning, and now their best-selling books, thousands of women have turned to them for counsel. So today, they're here to share their acquired, learnt, and infinite wisdom on all things perimenopause and menopause. It's Lisa Snowden, and my doctor, her doctor, and leading menopause doctor, Naomi Potter. What I've got on my screen right here is the two women that saved me and saved me on my sanity. It's wonderful to see you both. Thank you. Ladies, how are you both? Good, good, thank you. Yeah, I'm super good. I'm super good. It's so nice to see you both. I wanted to pick up with you uh, in, in terms of like our experiences together because it's not very often uh, that you'll hear this. It's like, you know, we're friends first and foremost, but also... Um, Naomi, we are your patients and you have seen us arguably at our most vulnerable, our most weepy, um, our most forgetful and um, probably our most low, I would imagine. I think I've, I've certainly been in your company where I felt like I'm scraping myself from the floor. So I wanted to start at the very beginning. I wanted to start with how we found you, Naomi, because Lisa was the one with the lightsaber that was finding the light at the end of the tunnel by by falling at your feet. So how did you do that, Lisa? Do you know what, Naomi... We just met on Instagram, didn't we? In lockdown. Did you slide into my DMs or did I slide into yours? I think you said something. I think you did something like hashtagged hot flushes. And I was just learning how Instagram worked. And I saw that you'd done that and thought, oh, I wonder whether Lisa's talking about menopause and sent you a message. I think that's because I didn't really understand Instagram. Instagram. I think that's what happened. It was. Yeah, that's how we connected. The power of Instagram. And then, like me, Lise, I think you'd kissed a few frogs, and I, I use that, that phrase with a tongue firmly in cheek, but I think Naomi was our third doctor, respectively, um, in as much as we tried to see other practitioners, and it just hadn't felt that the, not the chemistry was right, that the advice was right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Naomi was my fourth doctor, actually. The first doctor prescribed antidepressants. That was in my early 40s. Then the next two doctors, all of them were men, by the way. Not that I'm saying anything about that. But uh, yeah, the next two doctors, um, I ended up spending a lot of money and wasting a lot of time. And they gave me not the right advice for me. And so Naomi was my, my, yeah, like my beacon of hope and just changed absolutely everything. (laughs) Oh, guys. <laughs> you did, though. You absolutely did. You were just, like, really straightforward. You Honestly, know? you did. You do. And I don't I don't think oh, you realise what you, you do. It's massive. It's massive when you're swimming around in a sea of misinformation, disinformation, conflicting advice from people that you trust because they've got two letters before their names, DR. And you, you, you take them at their word. And that's really tricky because we'll get into this with other shows, but actually 
not all doctors have all the answers, especially when it comes to menopause. And I think that's something that's really worth flagging here and now, because for you and I, Lise, we only found some solutions to managing this this entirely inevitable life stage by going to somebody who was an expert. And I think that's really important to flag to people. A general practitioner has general knowledge in all areas of medicine. We expect possibly too much from them. Is that right, Naomi? Is that fair to say? I think so. I, yeah, I really do think so. So GPs have to have to know kind of everything about everything, but they can't know it in depth. And the GPs are able to handle kind of um, straightforward menopause management, but anybody that is uh, complex uh, really needs to see somebody that knows all about the nuances of, of how you manage those complexities. They're getting better though, Kate. They're absolutely getting better, the GPs, I have to say. Yeah, they, they truly are because there's been so much noise around this. But I think for a lot of them, they've had to go off and explore and uh, investigate for themselves. Sadly, it is um, something that they decide to do as opposed to they are instructed or compelled or told they have to do. Is that right, Naomi? So, yes, I mean, and part, part, once you are a GP, you tend to veer off into the area that you find of interest. And so, yes, you are kind of in charge of, a, of your own destiny when it comes to training. Uh, and I think, you, you know, there are every year you should do continued professional development as a GP. And part of those courses, they can be very general courses. And menopause is now becoming part of those courses when it just wasn't. You know, when I was it, when I was a GP, it was just not heard of. You know, people just didn't know about it. So it it is definitely becoming more kind of general um, and more accessible. But some people, some doctors, of course, think that, um, think that there is now um, you know the media is involved and it's trendy and fashionable, um, and so poo poo it as a as a as a thing, which is really disappointing. Oh, it's beyond disappointing. It's absolutely infuriating. But um, fortunately, we're so full of rage, we're well equipped to deal with it. <laughs> so, Lise, you discovered Naomi through Instagram. I then stumbled upon you two via Instagram. And this is something that we're finding more and more in research that's coming through now, that women are finding their own um, ports of call by way of advice um, outside of natural, uh, normal health settings. Um and it was locked down. You were doing your midweek menopause madnesses, uh, madness sessions. I was bewildered, lost, sad, isolated, unable to articulate myself, just completely drowning in what turned out to be the perimenopause. But I didn't know that at the time. And I should have known that, but I didn't. And then suddenly watching you two every Wednesday, it all started to click. And I can't tell you the value um, that those conversations brought to me and what sits between my ears <laughs> um, because you were saviors, both of you. So thank you. Um, and all of that wisdom, all of those conversations have now been turned into two best-selling books. And I just wish that both of your books had been available for me four years ago because they're the books I needed. Um, so I wanted to dive into the experience that informs both of your books today, if that's okay. And start with you Naomi because I, I know that no two women have the same menopause but at least in so many ways I feel like we've mirrored each other's symptoms and I just wondered Naomi if you could with your permission Lise describe your first impressions of us when we first came to you and where we were at. 
Well, I think you both hid it very well. I've said this to you, Kate, before. Like you, um, <laughs> you hide it well because you crack jokes at yourself. And um, it's only when you kind of read between the lines that you realise what the what the reality is. Um, you know, beneath that, um, you know, glossy, gorgeous, bubbly veneer. You know, it's the it's the words that you use sometimes that sometimes really hit they hit home when you when you're smiling and you're like I'm broken. That they don't. You know, it doesn't marry up, and um, you've just you've got to kind of read between read between the lines, but. I mean, I, I, I remember you, Kate, um, you know, you were, you were, because the way that Lisa and I met, uh, you know, it was a bit more gradual, but was with you, you know, you, in, your, in that first appointment, I remember thinking, we've got to sort you out. Um, and there's so, you know, you've got so much life to live and this is really, really holding you back. Um, whereas with Lisa, it was it was a bit different. Where we we met over kind of conversations and things, and then it just kind of evolved from there. It was a little bit different. I think the one valuable lesson I learned from that, and maybe that was the same for you, Lisa, was um, learn to be vulnerable because I was. I came. I was. On my knees, I'd found the confidence to be vulnerable to Lisa on a voice note. Multiple voice notes. She said, call Naomi. I called you and then I pretended everything was okay. <laughs> Multiple, like, probably don't even make sense, babe. No, they always Sorry. did make sense, Kate. That's thanks, the thing. Thanks for responding. <laughs> you hid it very well, Kate. Do you know what I'm sat here now and we're, we're talking and I feel like crying because I'm just, like, honestly, it's just... Because I, I remember you going, this is her number, and then you saying you'd see me and I felt like I'd unlocked this crazy padlock that had been holding me back from living for so long. I felt like I was going to get, finally, the answers that I needed to get myself better. Oh, honey. I've got chills thinking about that. Yeah. That just gives me goosebumps. There's a lot. And I, I kind of, um, I just hung on to every word that you shared. So I wondered if you could start, Naomi, with, uh, and Lisa, with sharing what you first brought to your Instagram uh, midweek menopause madnesses and and the kind of response that you got because it was like watching the waves crash in of all these women going me too me too help me yeah it was massive wasn't it Naomi it was really incredible that response it was unbelievable wasn't it like we've been doing it for what three and a half years now I think haven't we yeah roughly and I remember we did one and they were like oh should we do another one? I was like, yeah, okay. It's probably enough for one more, isn't there? So we did another one. And we were like, should we do another one? And then, and then I remember thinking, we've done kind of three or four, and I was like, you know, surely we've we've done everything now. Yeah. And it just, it just keeps And the up. messages, people were like, are you doing another one? Are you going to do midweek menopause next week? And it's like, we were like, oh my God, people want this, you know? there's the, It's every day's a school school day when it comes to perimenopause and menopause. You can never stop learning. Everybody's journey is so unique. Everybody's symptoms are so different. You know, there's 60 symptoms and counting. So everybody's like, oh, wait, is that it maybe? And oh, finally, this is what's happening to me. And I think that is what has been a lifeline for everybody and for us too I mean I've learned so much from Naomi and I've learned so much from our community as well they've shared openly personal personal stories um, heartbreaking stories of families breaking up and women leaving work and you know it's it's it, it, we've just thrown it all into the mix and it's been like a safe space and it's just been it's been amazing it's been just fantastic um, so yeah it long may midweek menopause madness continue <laughs> 
And I, I, I quote it as a, as a source for people. Yeah, I, I, I mean, when, when women say to me, where do I go to find information? I go, well, first and foremost, go to Lisa Snowden's Instagram. You'll find her and Naomi Potter there. And that was before you did the books. And really, all of that, that information that you mined and shared and explored on those on those mad on those midweek menopause madnesses they've been poured into those books now so there is somewhere for women to go where they can extract fact-checked up-to-date information and that's so important isn't it i think we've i think we've pretty much covered everything i can't think of a, of a topic that we've not that we've not covered some of it's been uh, filtered out by instagram and blocked and things but um oh yeah we remember that well still the, you use the word vulva and they take it out if you use any of the anatomical words for our female parts it gets blocked and you get removed from commenting you say vagina or vulva it's like it's ridiculous yeah wow. and, then, and then both of us had, we had we had the whole thing taken down all of our videos taken down at one point I think they're back up now but it's yeah yeah I mean the, and the nuance that you get into in your books, especially you, Lise, where you really, you know, share every twist and turn is so helpful because I think one thing that I didn't realise, um, and it's a very disappointing part of the discovery, is that you, so you finally find your doctor. There she is, Naomi, right? And she goes, here's your, here's, your, here's your prescription. And you and I have both opted for HRT, and I understand that that's not everybody's choice. But I feel that we were both suitably informed to make an intelligent decision on our own behalf. Mm-hmm because we've been suitably informed, right? That's all we can ask is that women have the information to decide for themselves. And then you take the HRT prescription and it works, right? And at first it's like, oh my God, it's a holiday from my menopausal symptoms. I am having my best life again. I am, look at me, I'm fabulous. Oh God, I've missed you. And then it stops. (laughs) stops working and the honeymoon's over and you are on the floor devastated again and I phoned I phoned you and I was like it's not my menopause is so bad even HRT can't save me but that's normal yeah <laughs> and we have to remember that it's a moving target it's a moving target you know honestly sometimes you need to change your HRT you have to look at your whole lifestyle it isn't just a silver bullet that you're just going to start adding your gel and using your your progesterone and you're going to be magically all okay again you really have to take so much responsibility for everything else that's going on you know we can't get stressed you know because the stress and it's like our our fuse is so short now we've kind of like We've gotten to the end of our tether almost with everything we've put ourselves through over the last kind of 30, 40 years, 50 years. Um, And so you just have to slow things down. You have to start being kinder to yourself. So if you have to realize that you can't just slather on your jaw and be like, right, fabulous again. You've got to go to the gym. You've got to look about, you know, the stress levels, trying not to say yes to everything, you know, managing your food, moving more, being more mindful, all the stuff we know, all the stuff that our body's telling us to do when that adrenaline starts to, you know, kind of bubble over again when we're just trying to push ourselves too hard. So, you know, and then there's other things like maybe you might forget to use your HRT or maybe you're going on holiday. So then you put it on at the wrong time and you go swimming and you wash it off or maybe you're doing it before you go to the gym. So there's loads of different variables and you have to really think about it. It has to become part of your regime. But also, yeah, it's not it's not a magic solution that's going to make it everything wonderful again. 
But what I found, Lisa, and I don't know if that was the same for you, is um, because I've made a lot of the similar lifestyle changes changes that you have, be it the way I eat, the way I exercise, the way I look after myself. But HRT was my building block because I couldn't even think straight before I'd got my estrogen levels back to something like where they needed to be. Absolutely, yeah, because it's this sort of... this. It just perpetuates the madness, really. That's why we call it midweek menopause madness, because it is, you just feel completely batshit crazy so often. Um, but yeah, that brain fog, that lack of motivation, that extreme exhaustion when you are so sleep deprived, um, you can't think about like putting your trainers on and going for a walk around the block. You just don't want to get out of bed. You know, you've said that to me before, Kate, like putting one foot in front of the other is just impossible some days so we have to be a bit kind to ourselves but the HRT does if it's something that you choose to do and it works for you it does give you that little that little extra edge just to kind of push you out the door in the morning or encourage you to take better care of what you're eating or you know just trying to get into bed two hours earlier or an hour earlier and just having a bit more of a wind down ritual and maybe stepping away from that second glass of wine or third glass of wine you know just you know that you you know just trying to Mm -hmm. just trying to be a bit more like what do I need I know what I want but what do I need kind of thing you know so that's what I'd say but yeah the HRT that that fog clears and you can start focusing on you a little bit more I also think that and I I sense this in your book Lisa maybe you can (laughs) you can say whether or not you found this to be the case with us as patients Naomi we both went at it right it was like right there is a war happening in my body. My hormones are fighting me and I'm going to fight back. And I tried to throw everything at it at once. And that just was not the way to do it. And it just probably exasperated me beyond the ex- the already exasperated state I was in. So what, what do you mean? Were you just... I didn't, I didn't notice yeah. that. Yeah, what, what do you actually, were you doing more? What, what, explain. So I did, I did HRT, I changed the lifestyle. I, you know, I, I tried to do everything at once. I tried to do every, every piece of advice oh. that, that you put out in your book. I tried to do it all oh, in no. a week. Yeah, no. And then when it didn't work, I got really angry. <laughs> so I did it even harder. Oh no. What, are you going to try and stop drinking, drinking and yeah, eating? Stop drinking, did eight eight hit classes a week eight seeds and then go but I'm so unhappy and I'm exhausted of course you are you're not eating anything you're, you're on the floor like you know knackered um over exercised you've taken all the medication what do you expect woman <laughs> so you hit that from me as well Kate I didn't realize that <laughs> Oh man, I was just like, right, get this, let's let get this sorted as quickly as possible. Yeah. No, you've got to go slowly. <laughs> you've got to be patient with yourself, you know? The irony is not lost on me, babe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then also where you learn the patience, and least this is again something that you've touched on, um, is you have to find the right products that work for you. And that might not be HRT, but in our case it is, so let's discuss that. And every time you try a new product, and by product I mean, are you a patch girl? Are you a gel girl? Are you going to try marina call? Are you going to try vaginal uh, progesterone? Are you progesterone sensitive? All these discoveries take three months each to qualify, don't they, Naomi? Which means that if, like, for example, I, I started on patches, they didn't work for me. Then I went to gel. Then the gel wasn't working because the product was faulty. So then I went to a spray and then I'm progesterone insensitive. So then after a, about a year on that, I went to a coil and then I finally found what felt like a good place. But that's 18 months of my life to get to that. It's a long time. That is the problem with HRT is that if you're... 
I am a firm believer in making one change at a time because if you change too much too quickly, you run the risk of it all falling to pieces and somebody not getting anything that they need at all. But it can be re- it can be time consuming. It can take a lot of patience. Is that your experience, Lise? Yeah, it's a juggling act for sure. I mean, when I look back, it was sort of ten years ago that I first went to the doctors, um, feeling really like crap and over emotional really stressed um and that was when he put me on antidepressants and you know what I kind of I kind of can see where he was coming from because I was just I literally burst into tears in the surgery and was just like a woman possessed and you know it was 10 years ago so that there wasn't this conversation you know you said earlier that oh why didn't I know it's perimenopause I didn't know it's perimenopause I navigated this for like six years not knowing it's perimenopause um and then I went to see different doctors and they put me on different um types of cream and there's obviously there's a whole nother camp the body identical and the bio identical what you and I are on now is the body I was going to see private doctors and they were prescribing me the bio identical and it wasn't what I needed um so yes it's a moving target and you don't know it's like Naomi said I I used some of the product they gave me initially and I thought that it did work so I thought it was slightly placebo effect um you think yeah so this is going to work so you start putting it on and then you sort of it gives you that kind of like incentive to try and make other changes within your life but then I you know I look back and it was like four years of wasted time and wasted money with the wrong kind of doctors and the wrong kind of HRT and then when I met Naomi it was the estrogen um Lenzetto I ended up taking the spray um but again it was that took a while to work out it was like start with one one spray and I was like it hasn't touched the sides yet. I want it to, I want to stop having these hot flushes and night sweats. She was like, we have to go slowly, then start with two. And then now I'm on three. And then the same as you, I'm sensitive to progesterone. So I was taking the, um, Utigestan orally, and then I changed to vaginally, but that took about five, six months, Naomi. Um, you know, we let it, you know, we needed to sort of see it through and see it uh, for it to run its course kind of thing before we made a big decision to change to using it vaginally. Um, but yeah, you just, and then the other day I did my Is that what you do now, Lisa? So you want to coil? No, I'm, I take it every night, just uh, 100 milligrams of progesterone, progesterone vaginally every night, which can be a little messy sometimes. Um <laughs> I know, that's the other thing, right? And I take testosterone as well now too. But I have to say, Naomi, like, I did my bloods the other day and my progesterone, my oestrogen had gone, it's supposed to be 300 and up, isn't it? And mine was at, like, 20. Yours was, I think yours was very low, wasn't it? Mine was at 20. We haven't revisited that. Yeah, all of a sudden it dropped out. And I felt like absolute crap. And I was like, what's happening? I'm really anxious. I'm having panic attacks. I was like, oh, that awful like feeling in your chest. And I was like, she was like, what are you doing? Your testosterone is zero. Your estrogen is below where it needs to be. She's like, have you stopped taking it? I was like, no. And the only thing that had changed is that I'd had COVID again. And it just wiped out all of my hormones. It just messes with all of your levels. Yeah. Wow. So it's stuff like that. I don't know if the flu might do it, but definitely covid Definitely. Lisa, it's so interesting that you say that. There's a lot we don't understand about COVID. Well, yeah. Gosh, because I hadn't even considered COVID as... Bloody hell, yeah. like, we haven't got enough to do. with. It's not the first time I've heard that either, but that's, that's the only thing that could have, like, wiped out my hormones. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's interesting is when you talk about how you identify the fact that you're not feeling great anymore, we no longer necessarily go, we're not guided necessarily now with we're f- f- we're more than a few years in by the physical. It's, it's our mental symptoms that are often a flag to us. And that's what I call upon that, that and my skin. I've got terrible skin at the moment, like really bad sort of acne almost. Um, what has been the mental impact on you across this, this decade, Lise? Because I think it's really helpful for people to hear how your symptoms manifested themselves so that they can recognise it in themselves. I think confidence, just a huge, huge blow to my confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, not having faith in my brain capacity anymore having to go to work and being worried that I'm going to completely make a fool of myself um simple tasks mm-hmm. suddenly seemed impossible um so yeah it was that it was just a big big knock on my confidence add to that the kind of crippling panic attacks and anxiety kind of freak outs um yeah, all of the above, really. It just absolutely crushes you. And then obviously with the weight gain, which is more physical, that then plays havoc with your confidence as well and having to kind of go out into the world. And you just mm. feel like you want to hibernate. You just want to stay in bed and just pull the covers over you um, and try and get some sleep because the sleep obviously was a big problem for me as well. And then that all just impacts everything. So, yeah, I really feel for anybody who's in the middle of any of that perimenopausal hell. Um, And I really hope that you're able to get to a doctor. I really hope that your GP is understanding and that can help you. And I did have a really positive uh, experience with GP recently. So, you know, as Naomi said, they are getting better and um, some of them are a little bit fresher out of... uh, to their exams and so that that's an area where they're actually interested in and I think that demand women are going into the surgery and wanting help and demanding help and going in knowing that they need um, HRT which is really great um, we're kind of self-diagnosing ourselves been doing that for years but then you know luckily there's there's great practices like Naomi um, Naomi's practice and her her associates as well who are there when you don't get that help and that you've been kind of going around in circles for years and years and you're pushing back at the GP in there or you know within your surgery and there's just no menopause specialist or women's health specialist there so you know a lot of us do have to go private um, and you and I are lucky enough to be able to do that Kate yeah well, and that's certainly not a luxury that everyone's afforded. What are your patient rights, Naomi, when you go in and you feel like you're not being heard or that maybe your doctor isn't suitably knowledgeable enough on this as an area of expertise? Can you demand a referral? And are they duty bound to give you one? Well, it's a, it's really, it's a, it's a hard one um, it, because, it, it, again, it depends on what they know and understand about the menopause. If they, if they are of the opinion that they don't, so, so I've had some patients come to me who said, oh, my GP doesn't believe in HRT or doesn't believe that the menopause should be treated as a natural process, then they won't 
they won't refer. Um, but if, I mean, my, my belief is that if you're a GP, um, firstly, you can't expect yourself to know everything about everything. And if you feel that you're not equipped to, you know, with the knowledge to manage somebody, then you make a referral. So that's how I used to, how I used to practice. But I hope that, mm. that that's the case for, because um, that's what we're taught to do. You know, I hope that's the case for other doctors. And I think it is, it is changing, but the problem is that, that you know, the NHS is swamped and waiting lists for NHS menopause specialists are long sometimes. Um, and sometimes they get referred gynecologists and surgeons. They're not necessarily menopause experts, and so you can end up kind of going down the wrong path that way. So it's not easy. It's not, it's not ideal at the moment. The, the symptoms that Lisa just described in terms of her, the, the mental um, symptoms that she experienced in perimenopause, how common is that? Because I was nodding along to every single one of those, Lisa. And as you know, I shared exactly the same anxieties. I've never had panic attacks before. I do now. Paranoia. Can't trust myself to say the right thing. Always fearful of saying the wrong thing. When I do say the wrong thing, I'll then spend three days literally yes. using it as a stick to beat myself with. And it's and then you, you wrap that around a couple of sleepless nights. I think for about best part of a year, I woke up 4.02 a.m. every day. I dread that time. It doesn't happen anymore, but that's gone. So all of that I really, really identify with. And I wondered if that's something you hear a lot, Naomi, or is it just us? <laughs> it isn't just you. It isn't just you. It's really common. And I think it's also the probably the most debilitating of the symptoms, isn't it? Like with, at least with a hot flush, you know what it is. Uh, it's a, you know it is a hot flash, but with the with the kind of mental health symptoms, it can be really unnerving because firstly you know you don't know whether there is ever going to go away, you don't know whether you're ever going to go back to feeling you again, and you're also no matter how many times somebody tells you look it's the menopause, it's your hormones. I think in everyone there's still part of you that thinks oh goodness you know maybe it's not maybe this is me forever maybe maybe you know this this isn't something that's going to that, that's that's going to go away so it's it's really hard and it affects everything it affects every part of your life it's you know work home relationships family friendships coping um everything and it just and it just kind of infiltrates and and so then it reminds you of it all the time it's really hard but very very common that self-hatred, that and that anger. Yeah, exactly that, Lisa. It's that. It's that self-loathing that comes with it. It's like um, even now. I mean, I'm having a bit of a dip with it again, and I, you know, I'm getting all sweaty again and stuff. So I know that I probably need to add in an extra spray or whatever. I'll talk to you about that, Naomi. Um, I've completely forgot what I was saying. There you go. <laughs> Perfectly authentic there. <laughs> What was my freaking point? Uh, and that happens a lot as well. And that's my great fear at work is that I'm about yes. to make a point and then it just falls out of my head. And and I promise I didn't stage manage that. That was genuine. <laughs> but that happens a lot. And I do make a joke about it, but I also will sit in bed tonight going, I can't believe I did that today when I spoke to Naomi and Lisa. Oh, and then the self-loathing can continues. That's the worst thing ever. That is that. That's just... you, you hold yourself up to your old standards, and I think I've got to learn to let some of those go. Alongside, like some of the physical stuff. Let's talk about some of the physical stuff if we can, because 
you know, I mentioned acne. I've had, I had acne as a teenager. It stripped my confidence. It's just come back and we've had to switch my testosterone from one product to another because we think it might be that. But that's one thing that I've had. Then bleeding gums, moving teeth, weight gain, bloating so bad that at one point I took a photograph of myself and sent it to, I sent it to a friend saying, surprise, I'm pregnant. And she believed me. <gasps> gosh. <laughs> Not even funny. Oh, gosh. Um, mm. Yeah, all of that. All of that, horrible, the weight gain, the cystic acne all along the jaw, the dry skin, the hair falling out in clumps. Yeah. Yeah, those big angry zits around. You're like, I don't yeah. I don't want teenage acne, acne anymore, please. I'm 50, I mean, I, well, I, was, I wasn't 51 then, but um, yeah, it's like angry, angry cysts. Um, Did you get them, Lise? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Big boils along here. Don't pick them. Whatever you do, do not. Yeah. Keep the skin really clean. Um, it becomes... I, well, I've learned that because they've scarred. They scar. Yeah, be careful. Really be careful. Bit of red light therapy. That will help. You know, infrared will try and get rid of that scarring. But you just oh, have yeah. to... Um, it's honestly it's a roller coaster it really is and like you know what every not everybody struggles with all of these symptoms so you know if you are listening and you're like oh my god i'm terrified just be prepared don't be scared that's my whole kind of like motto in this my mantra (laughs) because i just don't want people to be like i do not want to get any older i just want to freeze on being 40 because that shit scares me um so yeah cystic acne hair falling out skin changes um my whole face got really heavy from down here actually it kind of like the muscle and the bone started moving and changing which sounds so freaky but naomi can always when i spoke to you about it naomi you were like oh yeah that happens all the time it's like the actual like the estrogen was just changing the shape of my face which was not very nice So suddenly I've gone like square face. <laughs> yeah. And I look totally different in photographs now. I'm like, who's that hench woman? Oh, it's me. And it does. And you have to. And it's different. You're so bloody right. Yes. I think my squ- my shoulders and my jaw have just got squarer. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. No, I hadn't either. You look they blooming gorgeous. Yeah. You always do. But yeah, the estrogen, that, I mean, that's it changes, doesn't it? It sort of changes your muscles in your bones Naomi it's it, it yeah it changes your, your your bone structure your collagen the collagen structure your musculature because that's what your your face is you know it's, it's skin and then the underlying structure that holds it all in place and then your bone structure underneath and in it it can change all of that I have zero sex drive as well like I really don't have any interest in having sex anymore at all which is awful but even though I'm on testosterone which I have to say isn't just like a magic pill either a lot of people are like oh, I want testosterone why do you want testosterone because I think I need it and like but do you need it like you know do you want it for libido do you want it for strength do you want it to just that little missing piece of the puzzle with your brain fog you know I was hoping that it was going to make me like bring it on but I don't I don't have that room anymore unfortunately I don't know if that's an age thing or a hormone thing or what but yeah that's another that's another symptom is that is the lack of libido see now when I went on to testosterone um I mean for me it was the productivity that I was after I needed that vavavoom but it 100% gave me a libido that was akin to a 17 year old boy stop it I mean honestly oh my god where are you it was ridiculous to the point that my partner said I'm not a piece of meat leave me alone wow I was back babe I was back with a vengeance oh my god yeah it settles after a while but I mean a good six months (laughs) 
you. So, so everybody experiences different responses. Yeah. Oh. Honestly, Lise, it was ridiculous. Sometimes, sometimes I just couldn't stop thinking about sex. I remember wow. sitting in a restaurant just looking at the salt and pepper grinders, thinking <laughs> they're quite phallic. And I thought, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not phallic. They're salt and pepper grinders. Pull yourself together, oh woman. I had to adjust my dose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, clearly you were taking too much. All I got was like, I've just got oh, really no. long, dark hair in the middle on my inner thighs now, which is really sexy. So even if I was into having sex, George would be like, you need to sort that hair out, mate. Maybe a French plat. <laughs> Style it up a little different, please. Yeah. And what we've learned as well is, I think, that, you know, you don't just go to the doctors once with, you know, presenting as perimenopausal or menopausal, and then that's it. It's, and I think I said this to you before, Naomi, I've described you as finding, like, my dolphin. I need somebody that's going to swim alongside me for these years because it's years. And that's the thing that people really have to understand is that... And finding a doctor... Um, and, then, you know, the NHS aren't necessarily equipped to be able to provide you with this, but you need somebody that is going to be with you for the journey and to see constantly differing people who are just referring back to their notes and they all have different knowledge bases. That's quite difficult. So for me, I mean, I'm really sorry you are so stuck with me. Um, but thank God I've had you for the last few years because it's made the world of difference. And I think that's something that you... It's almost like going out and finding a therapist or, dare I say, a partner in life because you've got to have good chemistry, you've got to be heard, you've got to trust. You've got to trust that they know what they're saying and that's so important. There is a therapeutic relationship without a shadow of a doubt. It is not just... I don't think a robot could be you know could take on the role of a menopause doctor because you know even just in that first consultation i think that okay you may come away with a prescription or a you know, for hrt or, or something else but the, the 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 therapeutic benefit of that consultation is way more than whatever medication you come away with i think it's the conversation that you have. well that's what i aim to do anyway you know it's it's the conversation that you have it's being heard it's being understood um and it's and it's embarking on and it sounds really corny, but um, but it's, it is embarking on a journey together because the, the perimenopause is a journey. It is if you're, when, once you're postmenopausal, it's much much easier. Um, it, and what I always say is that you know my clinic is filled with women in their in their forties and in the perimenopause, not postmenopausal, because they're easy. They're easy to sort out. <laughs> Which is where Lisa is now, and this is the bit that I really want to hear. What's it like on the other side? Oh, and that's a question just... from me and my five cysts on my chin, <laughs> who's still very much in the peri. It's liberating. It's um, life changing. It's um, it's a world with no periods, no pain. Um, I did mention earlier that there are certain things or lifestyle things that change, you know, like COVID sort of flipped my hormones a little bit but that's just getting back on in, on track with them understanding what that is making sure I'm applying all my, my HRT properly but yeah it's fantastic I love it absolutely love it all that crap that was behind me all of those kind of sleepless nights the hot flushes you know I feel stronger than I've ever felt I feel happier I've got that sense of self-acceptance and um, yeah I mean thank God for Naomi because it is about that communication when you're in perimenopause it's some, some weeks are weird and some months are strange and sometimes it's not touching the side so you do need to have that communication that kind of you know that open conversation to be like what can I do what can I tweak but when you get to kind of post-menopause which I am now it's bloody brilliant absolutely brilliant 
that's why the book's called Just Getting Started because I honestly feel so empowered now and so like this is a new phase of my life and all that stuff's behind me and I'm like bring it on what's next that's do you know what that's the most amazing thing I've heard in ages this because I can't see a time when I don't feel like this you know where it's not like this um so I I'm gonna really hold on to that and the 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 tricky bit is is I don't know when that will be you'll get there Kate you just have to be patient you have to be kind to yourself this bit yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel like I was drowning, absolutely drowning. And I, nothing, you know, I hated mm. myself. I hated George. I was angry. I was sad. I was everything that we've spoken mm. about. And you just feel like, I don't want to be here. Some days you're just like, if this is what my life looks like, and this is how I'm going to feel, I'm not interested. So I totally, totally know mm. what you're feeling. I promise you, totally. you will get through this. I did and you will too. I promise my love. I think where I am now is I've seen, when I first sat down with, with you and then Naomi, I was very much where you've just described. If, is, this, is this it? If this is it? I mean, I would never not want to be here because I love my son so much. Um, but beyond that, I couldn't really think of a reason to sort of like, you know, that, that, that was the only reason I really wanted to stick around. Not that I, you know, I'm not saying that I've, I had suicidal tendencies or anything like that. I just felt flat. Yeah, helpless. Without just. joy, devoid of spark. And that just, I didn't know who I was anymore. I felt like like somebody had moved into my body and vandalised who I was. I didn't know my personality anymore. I was an angry woman that cried all the time, that couldn't remember stuff. I was just a hot mess. And then it calmed. And the HRT was my, was my answer. And then when that stopped working, I was crushed again because, you know, for, for me, it was that I had a faulty batch of gels, right? So we had to change product. But it was like going back to the start again. So for three months, I'm trying to recalibrate. And in those three months, I was able to remember the hideousness of, of life pre-HRT. And now it comes and goes. And that's where I am. I have really good stretches. And then my hormones go... <laughs> fuck you and they start kicking off again and then I have to tweak and adjust and remind myself of all of this stuff so I feel like I live outside of the hideousness of it for the most part but there's still months where it will pull me back under to know that that's not always going to be the case is like the best hug you could give me right now so thank you (laughs) it does get better it really does because you've both written books that like I said I wish had been on the bookshelves years ago for me. If people could take only three pieces of information from each of your books, what would you want them to be? I think um, my first bit of advice would be um, be prepared. It is going to happen at some point, um, but don't be scared and just start to think, uh, start to kind of listen to your body more. Um, perhaps in your kind of early thir- early 40s um, and just try and recognise mm. what's happening so that then you can talk to the people around you. This is going to the second bit of advice. Talk to the people around you um, because I guarantee people are also feeling changes, feeling different. You're not alone. So don't try and just do this alone. Um, I promise you when you open up to somebody and then you've got that, oh my God, me too, that moment when you've got that sharing is caring and that weight is lifted so that communication so be prepared communication and then the third um bit of advice is that 
once you get through it, life is fantastic and you will just feel like you're at rather than being at the bottom of the mountain you're at the top of the mountain looking over now and you're like right I can appreciate where I've been what I've what I've done and I'm like excited about the future and your relationship with yourself is going to be stronger and with the people in your life as well um yeah that's my advice (laughs) that makes me want to cry thank you just knowing that they know that there's a happy ending right you've i feel like you've written the ending and um i just need to get to the end <laughs> naomi what about you in terms of practical medical advice practical medical advice um so everybody so everybody is different and so don't don't compare so although it's really useful to talk to other people don't necessarily compare yourself and think that what's happened to one person or what one person's done is necessarily going to be right for you um, I think that's that's really important because I, you know, we we hear stories every day of people that have been put off um, their own their own kind of path, uh, for want of a better word, by by other people's opinion. Um, the the fact that menopause is a natural process uh, is 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 a is a, a word that kind of ring around or banded around, and um, and I think it's just bearing in mind that although yes menopause is a, is a natural process it can also be really hard um, in the same way that childbirth is a natural process but sometimes that's really hard and um, it's it's not a weakness or um, a failure or any sort of um, neg- it's, it's not negative if you seek help um, for any you know for any of those natural processes it's just about getting through you know the best way that you um, that you can with as much intact as you know as you as you possibly can um, without it you know minimizing impact on your on your life there's no there's no prizes there's no prizes for for muddling through in fact there's the opposite that you know you you run risks by muddling through and not taking help when when help's available um and we should caveat that not all women, and i suppose the third, sorry yes sorry please carry on sorry um carry on what was the third thing I was going to say? Uh, I can't remember. You as well, eh? <laughs> Don't stop a perimenopausal woman in, in mid-flow, please. I'm like, God, I'm so, so brain sorry. fart. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Naomi, I just said you perimenopausal. I know, you're always telling me that. But you know what my midweek menopause bad is? You called me Professor Snowden. <laughs> <laughs> and your third piece of advice, Naomi? <laughs> yeah i remember i remember Uh, it's it's um everything is one piece of the puzzle so hrt can be one very important piece of a puzzle but it's not the only piece and it's um you can't fix somebody that has you know a lifestyle where you're drinking a bottle of wine and you're out till four o'clock in the morning and you're drinking five cups of coffee a day with a patch doesn't work you've got to look at every you've got to look at your whole the whole picture um to come up with a way of living uh, optimally and um, and feeling as best as you can, I think. And I'd just like to caveat that not every woman will have the experiences that we've discussed today. Lisa and I, I think we've had um, quite complicated journeys through perimenopause. Um, so please don't, as she said, don't be terrified by what you're hearing, but look out, look out for it in your office look out for it in your home look at your mom your sisters your friends if your friends are acting in a way that isn't normally their their behavioral patterns 
try to extend a little bit of compassion if they're being a cow or a bitch or an unreasonable just just cut them some slack because they might not know what they're going through you might not know what they're going through but the chances are if they're over 45 it probably sits somewhere in the the landscape of perimenopause um, and make sure that any information that you take away uh, to apply to your own situation is fact-checked and I can recommend Lisa's book, uh, Just Getting Started, as well as Naomi's Menopausing, uh, which, as I said in the intro, has been voted as book of the year because it's full of medically checked, factual information so that you can go away, inform yourselves and make your own choices about how you navigate menopause. And my piece of advice, find a Lisa, find a Naomi. <laughs> Get your dolphins in line because you'll need them. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Lots of love. Thank you for having us. My huge thanks to Lisa and to Naomi uh, for giving their time today to kickstart what will be a three-part conversation on this feed um, across Menopause Awareness Month. So we started with the experience, the experience that both Lisa and I have had uh, with our doctor sat at the heart of that conversation. The next conversation, we're widening it out. I'm going to be bringing Naomi back uh, for a special episode with two of my colleagues here on White Man Question Time, two phenomenal young producers in training who had so many questions as a result of assisting on the research uh, for these shows that we've decided to give them the floor. So that's going to be dropping as your next episode for Menopause Awareness Month. And then last but not least something really special at the end of the month, a live show, which I'll be giving you more details about. And hopefully some of you might even be able to come along and join us for the recording as we really, really try to put some fact in amongst the myth, the fiction and the the scaremongering that sits around uh, menopause and menopause awareness month and perimenopause. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, As some of you may know, we've already had Lisa Snowden on the show before talking about life outside of the menopause. If you'd like to lend your ears to that, uh, you'll find that in our back catalogue alongside more than, well, 300 other conversations now. Uh, So thank you so much for listening and I'll be back on your feeds next Friday.